This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? We're approaching our fiscal year end. Would you help us to finish strong? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, I could not be more excited that you've joined me today. We are officially in the most wonderful time of the year. If you take a deep breath, you can almost smell Christmas dinner cooking. It is that close. But I pray during this time that the Lord is also drawing your heart near, that you're sensing a great, uh, not only enthusiasm and excitement about the season, but expectancy. You know, this is what this season is all about, at least as we think about the first Christmas. It was a time of expectancy that the Son of God was coming into the world. Heaven knew that. The angels knew that. They announced it, and soon earth would know, and there would be glad tidings among men, and there would be peace on earth, and there would be great joy. And I pray that all of these things are being cultivated in your heart. For those of us who stand on the other side of the cross now, we know how significant the birth of the Son of God into the world was and what it has meant to those who were living in darkness, those who were gripped by uh, the bondage of sin, those who knew brokenness and nothing but brokenness and how we have all received grace upon grace. We're going to talk about that over these next several weeks as we prepare your heart for Christmas morning. Uh, And today is going to be a part of that conversation. I can't wait to talk to you today about one of the most important figures in human history and one of the central figures of the Christmas story. But before I do that, let me remind you as we quickly rush to the end of yet another year, that your generosity has made all the difference. Thank you for being a prayerful and financial partner to this ministry. We cannot broadcast every day across North America, through the U.S., into Canada without friends like you. And so if you've stood with us throughout this year, I want to say thank you for allowing God's grace to uh, work through you to be a blessing to us. Uh, But I would also say that I know how important it is to finish strong. And as we wrap up this year, I would ask that you would pray about standing with us with a generous year-end tax-deductible gift because your gifts help us to fulfill our mission of equipping Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. So if the program's been a blessing to you, can you call now 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. 4144, or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org.
Well, I couldn't be more excited about uh, my guest and the resource. I'm always looking for Advent resources for myself, for my family, and yes, for you as well. You guys know that we share some really good ones. But honestly, it's hard to write one that's unique or fresh. And yet, that's exactly what my guest did today. The Advent resource is simply entitled Mary's Voice, Advent Reflections to Contemplate the Coming of Christ. Oh, how I want you to get your hands on this. Mary's Voice is a unique addition to Advent literature, and uh, I think it's going to have a huge impact on all those who would read and allow their hearts to be ministered to through it. The author is none other than Dr. Amy Ord Ewing. Many of you know Amy. She's an international author. She's a speaker. She's a theologian. But I think God has used her in such a powerful way to answer and address some of the deep and most poignant questions of our culture and to help people to understand the reasons to believe the Christian faith. Amy joins me now. Hey, Amy, how are you? Hi, Chris. It's such a joy to join you. And thank you so much for your endorsement as well for Mary's voice, which you really kindly gave. Well, I happily did so. And before we dive into the book, I'd love for you to share just a little bit about your own journey to faith. And uh, as you think about this time of year, what it's come to mean to you now as a believer Mm -hmm. versus maybe the family you grew up in. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. So I wasn't born into a Christian family. Um, Neither of my parents had faith. My sister and his father was a was a brilliant scientist who was a really committed atheist so much so that he forbade anyone to mention God or have a Bible in the house so that was my dad's family background and my parents dramatically encountered Jesus in their in their 30s and he just turned their lives around so much that obviously that had a huge impact on our family so I grew up in a home where um, I saw that knowing Jesus makes a difference but it wasn't just a cultural Christianity or anything assumed so we were encouraged to ask questions and to to discover faith for ourselves and so I went on to study at the University of Oxford and experience I guess a lot of pushback to faith and go through period of of really questioning myself but the more I studied the more I found that the truth of the gospel stands up to the questions of the culture and so I'm I'm more convinced than ever that he rose from the dead and so this Christmas season is I guess the moment in the year when as Christians we get to really mark and celebrate the incarnation that truth that God actually entered human history in the person of Jesus. Now that you're a mom and uh, you are raising your own family, what is Christmas like around your house? Oh, well, we we love Christmas in our house. We have a real tree and um, <laughs> my, my dad's family are German. And so you actually put real candles into actual sort of little clips and light the actual wax candles on your tree, which is just an amazing, beautiful experience. And we sing the Christmas carols and we eat lots of food and we gather family and friends, you know, for different parties and 
and celebrate in that in that way but yeah. in advent in the weeks building up to christmas we we mark that time um by really sort of preparing our hearts yes. for to celebrate mm. the incarnation and there's just this sense of a journey the word advent just means um arrival and yes. traditionally christians have thought about the first arrival of Jesus and the second coming, the second arrival of Jesus and what it what it means to live in between those two arrivals. And so we might do that in different ways through study and prayer, perhaps marking each week of Advent by lighting a candle at a family meal. But it's a beautiful way to journey towards Christmas with intentionality as Jesus's followers. You know, I love that. And that's why I'm so grateful for the book. Now, it's called Mary's Voice. And I want to get into the beauty of this book. But I did something in preparation, um, Amy, for this interview. I, I looked up the most influential women in history. And when you get a list of the most influential women in, in history, you'll get names like Amelia Earhart, Queen Elizabeth. Eleanor Roosevelt, Rosa Parks, Cleopatra. These are all extraordinary women who did great things. But you know who I didn't find on my list? Was Mary. Mary is such a huge figure in human history. And uh, yet you could argue she might be the most underappreciated woman based off of her contribution. Talk a little bit about why this book was so important for you and why it's important for us to hear Mary's voice during Advent season. Yeah, that's so interesting. You did that study, Chris, because I think that that sums it up. You know, the, the, the kind of depictions of Mary often in Christian art are of a, a static figure with her eyes down perpetually sort of captured in just a few weeks of her life with a cherubic baby on her hip and maybe a a kind of heavenly ghostly smile but actually the new testament depicts mary as a woman who encounters the lord in an extraordinary way who questions things who speaks up who responds with great faith to a calling to actually be the one who births jesus into the world Um, to be the fulfiller of the first messianic promise in the Bible, you know, that promise given to her foremother Eve that a woman's seed will crush the serpent's head, that there will be someone born of a biological woman, not of a biological male, who will have the power to utterly crush and defeat evil in this world. And Mary is the fulfiller of that prophecy. And her words are recorded for us in the New Testament you know, um, she has the longest speech of any woman in, in the New Testament, the Magnificat, which are just very powerful words. And she's the primary witness to arguably the most important event in history, the birth of God, the birth yeah. of the Son of God, <laughs> Jesus. You know, if you think about it, Mary's yeah. really the primary witness to that. And yes. um, so um, you're right, she... She, in a way, has shaped Western culture, certainly more than any other woman I can think of. And this is why I think her book, this book, that, Amy, you've um, really poured your heart into, 
is so magnificent and so important for this moment. And again, I want to get into the pages, but talk about bringing this together because this in many ways is a project that is birthed through a very personal journey for you. That's right. Yeah. So um, one particular thing happened to me, which was that I was, um, this is a slight trigger warning here. I was supporting someone who um, had been abused as a child and had um, gone to the police and the police were um, agreed that criminal charges could be brought against the man, a very powerful man. Um, And this had happened a a while ago. The the, um, victim was now an adult and there was a criminal trial happening and I was there to support the witnesses in that criminal trial. And it was extraordinary trauma, you know, just going through an experience like that. And in the evening after one of the days of the court hearing, um, I I was just asking, God, where are you? And can there be justice? And Mm. please, will you help? And all the prayers that you pray in a desperate situation like that. And I went into one of the the, the cathedral of the city where this trial was happening and happened to be in the evening and a service, a traditional service of Evensong was happening. I was just there really to pray. But as, as the service carried on um, I'd been given the sheet and I just looked down at the sheet and the choir were singing and they were singing a beautiful choral piece of music and they were singing Mary's Magnificat that is Mary's words that she speaks out in praise um, after the Annunciation of the birth of Christ and I heard them sing the words and it was in the old English he hath brought the rulers down from their thrones and he will exalt them of low degree. And it just sort of hit me between the eyes. Mary's vision of who Jesus is and what he has come into this world to do is a profound vision of justice and a vision that speaks to our hurting world, a vision that speaks to you know our world of tears and pain and where yes. abuse happens. And I realized in that moment, I've been a Christian for four decades. I've been a theologian for two decades and I've never listened to Mary's voice. Mm. You know, in the Protestant tradition for us, perhaps there's often a fear that, you know, we might overdo Mary in some way and end up worshipping her or praying to her or, you know, doing something wrong. And so Mary has been in a way sidelined and we fail to listen to her words in scripture, which are inspired by the Holy Spirit, some of the most important Christian ethical teaching alongside the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And obviously her words as well of witness about who Jesus is. And so in that moment, um, I thought we need to, as God's people in this moment in history, it's really important that we actually listen to this woman's voice and that we recenter the voice of the Christian faith's most significant female witness. And I think that matters. It matters greatly to followers of Jesus to do that because it mattered enough to the Holy Spirit for these inspired words to be in scripture. But I think it really matters in our cultural moment where people have great concerns about justice and about the voiceless and um, to recenter Mary's voice is actually then to um, really fix our eyes back on Jesus because yes. she's all about pointing us to Jesus. That is the passion of her 
her mm -hmm. life and her ministry. Yeah, and I love that you are redeeming a view of Mary for, for Protestants, for uh, really the world, the broader culture. Uh, and, you know, I said the statement earlier, and some might say, well, uh, Christian, uh, Chris, you, you, you certainly underestimate how much Mary is respected when I say she's not on a list of great women. And while yeah. some have prayed to her and some, you can borderline argue, have uh, venerated her way beyond biblical uh, appropriateness, what we would also have to argue is that in the midst of all of that, we've missed some significant things about her. And while we yeah. don't want to, in this conversation, confuse at all who is the only one worthy of worship, and the only one yeah. that uh, we direct our faith, trust, and prayers to Jesus Christ, we also want to be able to see this, uh, the life of this extraordinary woman who um, Scripture records as saying these beautiful words, my soul magnifies the Lord and my mm -hmm. spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So today that's what we're going to do. And I want to encourage you as we go to our first break to get a copy of uh, this wonderful Advent resource. I think it's going to bless you in ways that will allow you to not only sense God's presence and to see his grace in fresh, uh, through fresh eyes, but I also think that it's going to help your witness to a culture and a world so desperately is asking, does God see us? Does he see me? Hopefully, as we look at what God has done in and through the life of Mary, you'll be able to say yes. Yes, he does. Friends, enjoy this rendition of Silent Night. And while you do, go to our website, equipradio.org. Amy's going to stick with us. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. December. And here at Equip, we want to thank you for your generous gifts throughout this year. Your donations blessed others with the truth of the gospel. And together, we're pointing people to the life-changing hope and freedom of Jesus Christ. Let's finish this year strong by continuing to support this ministry and program or become a first-time investor in the ministry. Give us a call today at 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So happy to have Amy or Ewing with me talking about a great Advent resource for you as we in this season have a heart of expectation celebrating the arrival, the first arrival of our Christ, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, born into the world. And as we look forward to the second coming, the second arrival of our Lord, living in between these two advents, if you will. And uh, how do we prepare our hearts? Uh, I think Mary's voice, this resource that I'm encouraging you 
to uh, purchase today is a great way to do so. Find out more at equipradio.org. The answer to the next question could be 7.2 billion people, but who did you write the book for, Amy? Who do you (laughs) hope reads it, and uh, what do you hope they get out of it? So um, I wrote the book for Christians who um, want to go deeper in their faith and who perhaps are in a season of lament or longing or even questioning um, and and just need some answers about uh, who God is and um, what what their faith can really mean. Um, I wrote it for women for whom it's, I think, really important that we recenter the Christian faith's most significant female witness and incidentally um in apologetic terms as you know chris often it's seen as a really strong argument for the christian faith that women are positioned as the key witnesses to the resurrection in particular they're first at the empty tomb and people say you know if you were making up a story about god being born in history, dying by crucifixion and rising from the dead, you would never position women as the primary witnesses to that because their witness, their testimony did not have validity in a Roman court. And so that's seen as evidence, strong evidence that the Gospels are true. But actually the way Mary is positioned here, we see her as the key witness also, not just to the crucifixion and and resurrection, but also to the incarnation. And so I think it's really important for Christian women, but then also for all men who love women, which is hopefully all men. I mean, we all have a mother or sister or perhaps a daughter or an aunt. And so it, it matters greatly that, um, this key woman and hero of the faith that, you know, the Holy Spirit inspired her voice to be included in the scriptures that that we listen to and learn from her during this season. So you're right. I wrote it for everyone, Chris. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But no, I think it's really good to be able to specifically speak to the hearts of those that you would hope to read it. And I'm going to give yeah. some suggestions on how to read it in just a moment, but I do want to tap into the inspired words that come from Mary that should be a rich part of our theology, what we understand to be true about God, about the mission of our Christ, about Mm. who we are in light of uh, who God is and in light of the broken world we live in. So let's just do this. Let's just take Mary seriously and ask a few questions. First, what does Mary teach us about God? I read the opening stanza of the um, uh, first chapter of Luke, verses 46 through 55. Mary opens this way, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. But then she goes on to say these words, For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. What does that tell you about God through Mary's eyes? I think this just speaks volumes about who our God is and who he includes. If you think about um, Mary's specific situation, and she, she registers, she notes, you know, the lowly state of, of, this, of, of his servant. She's talking about herself. 
This is a woman living in a context where a woman's voice meant nothing. This is a person who is a member of a, a people group who are living under occupation. So you have the Roman Empire who've invaded and the Israelites, the Jewish people are living under occupation. And then Mary also comes from an insignificant district of that nation that is occupied. You know, the Bible talks about what good can come from Nazareth. That that was how her to town, her hometown was regarded. Yes. So by every measure of this world, this is a person who is lowly, who experiences oppression, who, you know, by today's standards experiences poverty, who experiences sexism. And that is who our God says is favored. I think that yes. speaks enormously yes. of the heart of God. It also speaks to us about who we are. Sometimes as Christians, we fall into the danger of equating the blessing of God with the fulfillment of the American dream or its British equivalent. You know, we say, yes. I must have reached this particular standard of, you know, material living or have this prayer answered. Otherwise, I'm not favored by God. And um, the scriptures here through Mary teach us something else. God looks with love on the lowly, on the humble. He does not regard us as this world regards us. And this is exactly what so often is levied against a Christian faith, that the marginalized are overlooked, that mm. uh, it is oppressive to uh, women or to the poor. But yet here Mary stands as a witness against that straw man argument and evidence of the character of our great God. What does Mary's voice teach us about why we should have confidence in the scriptures. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Friends, I want you to get a copy of this wonderful resource, Mary's Voice. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Stick and stay. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, having a great conversation with Amy or Ewing. Also thanking you for your support throughout 2023. It's been a year full of so much that has happened around our world, globally, that has happened within our borders. There is the political realities that we've had to navigate, social realities, family, economics, but yet through it all, the grace of God has been seen. And I'm grateful to be a witness to that and to commend our faith to you and to encourage you to commend it to others. Ours is a faith that encourages us to bear witness to a watching world. And I pray that Equip has uh, been a source of uh, great encouragement towards that end. I pray also that as you listen to these programs that your confidence in Christ grows and your competency as well and articulating what you believe and why increases. If we've been a blessing to you, we would ask that you would stand with us today with a generous year-end tax-deductible gift. And just know this, on the other side of your faithfulness and your generosity, 
uh, lives are being changed, and you're helping to spread the good news of God's grace in your community. You can find out more about Equip or support the program by going to our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Or you can call 888-644-4144. My guest today, Amy or Ewing, may be best known for her book, Why Trust the Bible. And I want to think about that in light of Mary's voice. What does Mary's voice teach us about Scripture that helps us to have more confidence in the Bible? Well, thank you for that question, Chris. I love that question because when we look at Mary's voice and what she actually says in the Magnificat, we see that she is absolutely drenched in the Scriptures. She follows a clear pattern from the Old Testament of, of prophecy and prophetic kind of declaration she quotes from the scriptures so the Magnificat cites different psalms as well as Hannah's prayer it even cites a story from Exodus about how God's arm is not too short to save but he's shown strength with his arm so she's demonstrating that a woman of faith is a person who knows the Bible and that there's no contradiction between the coming of Jesus and the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And then we also see, and I think this is really crucial for our generation and our age and crucial in apologetics, that the Bible, the the, the scriptures don't sideline women. You know, if you compare the New Testament to any other document of the era, you see the most extraordinary value placed on women. And you think, you know, not only is Mary a primary eyewitness drawn on by Luke's gospel as one of the key eyewitness sources to his gospel, we actually have the direct recorded speech of a first century woman. There isn't another document in the first century that does that, that gives us the very words spoken by a young first century woman. Yes. I mean, even in historical and literary terms, that is astonishing. It's amazing. (laughs) And then if you think we're Christians and we believe that the word of God is inspired, that says the Holy Spirit inspired a woman for for words to pour out of her in praise of who our God is and Christian ethical teaching. And, you know, and that is then also recorded in the New Testament. It's amazing. And it, it says once and for all, the Bible couldn't be sexist, could it, if if a woman's voice is, is positioned in this way. I love the fact that we get a chance to highlight Mary's great reverence and uh, respect mm-hmm. for the scriptures, how they saturated her, how that led her to a place where she could say that the mighty one is holy and uh, what that meant to her. But I want to talk a little bit about our cultural times because one of the things that stood out to me reading through Mary's voice is that uh, we live in a cancel culture in which forgiveness is no longer seen by many as a virtue. Um, It's seen as maybe even enabling or toxic to forgive. But yet Mary says these words, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
we are living in an age which has been affectionately called by sociologists, by many sociologists, the justice generation, where justice has been such a thrust in our day and age. And there are some things that are redemptive about that. But there are also some things when you strip it or decontextualize it and you rip it out of a redeemed vision of the gospel that loses something. I think what we've lost is any understanding of mercy, that while Mm -hmm. justice has been kind of redefined and truncated into the act of calling out bad actors or being defined simply as the act of calling out injustice, there has been a loss of redemption, mercy, forgiveness. So what does Mary's words teach us who live and are so deeply influenced by a conflict culture, a cancel culture, an age of outrage about mercy? I think Mary very expertly holds two crucial things together that our culture fails to do. Mary holds together her defiant hope in the justice and ultimate judgment of our God. She does say he will bring the rulers down from their thrones and the humble will be lifted high and the poor will be filled with good things and you know the hungry will be fed. So there's this extraordinary, beautiful vision of justice that is located in God and ultimately in Christ. And she holds that together with the possibility of mercy. And as you rightly say, you know, council culture doesn't do that. Council culture says in a way there has to be death for transgression. If you cross the line, there's no possibility of redemption or forgiveness. And, you know, Mary's understanding of of who God is is saying, yes, sin really matters and, and judgment is important. And to any who've been abused, there is actually hope in that possibility of, of justice one day that God will bring and Christ will bring. But she also holds that together with the possibility of mercy. And it's only because of Jesus that those two things can be possible. It's only because there yeah. is this perfect saviour, the one who will ultimately pay that price and pay that penalty that means that 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 injustice and sin and all the evil of this world can be forgiven because that price has been paid and you know for mary that price will be paid by by her son so i think her words for us in the magnificat just resonate so much in this cultural moment where there is a longing for the possibility of redemption which is being lost in this angry age of cancel culture yes and if if only we will listen to the words of scripture, our hearts might thrill again that yes, justice matters, but yes, mercy is real and it's available because of Jesus. I think it also, Amy, teaches us something about evil, uh, that yeah. evil is real. Uh, if, yeah. if mercy is celebrated, it's only because evil exists. Um, outside of the reality of evil, I don't need mercy. Uh, mercy is not, uh, it's, it's superfluous. It's not necessary. But mercy is deeply necessary when fallenness is the state or the condition that I find myself in, which leads me to another um, insight that I get from reading Mary's voice, and that is in taking her seriously, 
that means that evil is not just something out there mm-hmm. that is that is the centered in someone else's life or in another group or another movement it's so easy for me to uh see uh evil through a window instead of a mirror it's so easy for me to blame corporations or governments or other ethnic groups or other genders to be able to say, no, the problem of the brokenness of this world is because of someone else. But what Mary confronts me with is the fact that she was the recipient of mercy. And if she was the recipient of mercy, then that's a recognition that no, if I wanna deal with the problem of evil, I have to acknowledge that it, it, it exists within me. And, uh, and, and that it's a problem that I have to address on a personal level. It's deeply personal. The mighty one has done great things for me. You're yes. right. She, yes. she, she, doesn't, she doesn't practice kind of theology or even praise in an abstract way. It's profoundly, radically personal. And even as she speaks of God as the saviour, She's speaking of the Saviour in her own womb. I mean, that's so such humility, (laughs) isn't it? Yes, she's providing the woman's seed that's going to crush the serpent's head, but it's God who is the Saviour and her Saviour as well. And of course, the interaction with Elizabeth really underscores that as well. When she meets Elizabeth and Elizabeth says to her, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come to me? In other words, the unborn child within you is my Lord, my Saviour. I mean, yes. that's an extraordinary acknowledgement of our need for mercy and salvation. We're going to take our final break of the day, but I hope that you are beginning to see why this Advent devotion is so unique and so powerful. And I promised you that I would give a recommendation on how you should read it. Certainly you will benefit from reading it alone, personally, as an individual. But can I encourage you to read it with friends? Maybe your small group at your local church. As a pastor, you're saying, I've been looking for an Advent resource for my entire church. What a beautiful uh, gift Amy has given us. So I want to encourage you to consider reading this with a group of other believers where you can go deeper in your understanding of the theology given to us by history's, one of history's greatest women, Mary, who gave birth to our Savior and Lord. We're going to take a break, but go and visit EquipRadio.org. We'll be right back. On Equip, we tackle the tough issues, and there sure have been many this past year. But we continue to confront them with the relevant biblical truth of the gospel. As we turn to a new year, will you join our Christ-centered approach by becoming an auto-gift monthly partner? Keep Equip on the air in your community and across the nation. Your $30, $50, or $85 a month gift will make a huge difference in this new year. Equip yourself and make a difference for Christ and his kingdom at the same time by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. 
so happy that Amy or Ewing has been able to carve out some time to be with us today. Find out more about Dr. Amy or Ewing at our website, equipradio.org. Amy, I want to talk to you now about my favorite part of the book. Is it okay if I share that with you? <laughs> Please, yeah. All right, now I've, I've debated this because I love the theology of the book. Uh, I love um, really the devotion of the book, what it does to my heart. But as I've evaluated my life, and this is deeply personal, if I look at my life through the lens of truth, beauty, and goodness, I recognize that I've been raised primarily in a Christian tradition that gave two messages. And this is part of being a Midwesterner in America. It is work hard and be good. That's the mm -hmm. message of the Christian faith that was drilled into me as a, as, a, as a Christian. And even to this day, I have to fight to appreciate beauty. Mm -hmm. And the incorporation of art into your book is so awesome. And I am so <laughs> grateful. So talk about that because I can't, I can't show that through radio. But one no, of the reasons but... <laughs> why I want people to get the book is for the art of the book. Why was yeah. that so important? Oh, that's amazing, Chris. So yeah, the book, the way the book works is there's an introduction to Mary and the themes and then it works that it begins on December the 1st and there's a daily devotion, uh, beginning with a scripture, then a devotional writing, then a prayer and then a piece of art. And the piece of art is kind of described and connected into the theme. And what I wanted to do is you know, to acknowledge that we as human beings are more than just our minds and that God encounters us as whole people. And, you know, that can involve different senses. And, you know, often at church we might sing. And so we, you know, we're, we're engaging perhaps our ears and, you know, that sort of sense. But there's a very rich tradition of, of Christian art that, helps us just to reflect on the beauty of God and um, connects us with other believers in wonderful ways. So there's every day there's a different um, reproduction of some beautiful piece of art and they range from, for example, um, an image from uh, one of the early uh, beautiful manuscripts of something called the Book of Hours, which is a kind of collection of scripture and psalms and prayers from um, the 13, 12, 1300s. And it's an illustrated manuscript and it's got a picture of Mary and Joseph inside the text and it belonged to, to Christians living a while ago. And it's wonderful to sort of imagine yes. them worshipping the same Lord as us. And then um, there's beautiful paintings by an artist like Rembrandt who uh, paint uses light amazingly. And, you know, for example, paints Simeon, the old man who picks up <laughs> G the baby Jesus in the temple. And just Rembrandt's depiction of Simeon is wonderful. Or um, there's an artist called Charlie Mackesy. Some of your listeners may know he did a book called the, the Horse, the Boy, the Fox and the Mole that then was an animation that won an Oscar. And there's a, a picture by him of Mary as a young woman, as a girl. And it just beautifully captures the ordinariness of this woman that God chose to play this amazing role. 
Yeah, so every day yes. there's a piece yes. of art to reflect on and enjoy, as well as the devotion and and the prayer and the scripture reading. You know, I, I, I'm so grateful as we get a chance to read through Mary's voice, you not only get to know truth, which spurs you on to do good, because ours is not a faith uh, by works, but it certainly is not a faith apart from works. Uh, the works really are an outflow of our faith and trust in God. They evidence the transformation mm -hmm. that's happened within us. But in addition to knowing truth and doing good, we see beauty. And I'm grateful that you included uh, a photo from Tigray, Ethiopia. You know my yes. wife, Yodid, is from Ethiopia. I did so not know 75, that. Page 75, page uh, 75, the crucifixion uh, art from Ethiopia has become yeah. a wonderful favorite of mine. So thank you. Yeah, that's from a, that's from an early manuscript, and that honors that honors or hope to honor the the truth of you know the significance of the African Church, and yes. you know of course beginning with that Ethiopian eunuch who was baptized by Philip. Um, yeah, so there's just yeah. drawing on the richness of of the church across the world. Yeah, so the treasures thank you that are there. <laughs> the not Ethiopian at all. Community. <laughs> but let's end with this and uh, Mary's words that uh, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And I love that she says this, according to the promise he made for our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. I think about this in light of all that's happening in the Holy Land, even mm -hmm. now, as we speak, as we pray for that part of our world. But I also cannot miss the fact that our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And uh, you can trust him. And I do, mm -hmm. as we end this conversation, want to commend to those of you recognize that our world is so broken and maybe you've been wounded and bruised by the brokenness of our world and uh and your heart yearns for healing and for grace and for mercy as you think about not only what's been perpetrated and inflicted upon you but if we're honest in our heart of hearts we also have to admit the pain that we too have caused so where do we turn for healing where do we turn for grace? Where do we turn for our own soul and salvation? We turn to the savior of the world. We listen to Mary's voice and we rejoice in the greatness of our God who shows mercy, not just to Mary, but to you and to me as well. If you wanna learn more about this Jesus, I would encourage you to dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. It's been a joy. Friends, I want to encourage you, go get your copy now for your church, for your small group, and yes, for you. Go to equipradio.org and order Mary's Voice. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.